0: live to take
1: welcome to millennial season 2 episode 37 i'm laura i'm elisa
2: and i'm matt
1: andrew died um yay so r.i.p uh what what happened guys he... Um, he met Bruce Springsteen. Oh. Everyone, and
2: died. no, and died
0: for real. Like he met in Bruce the moment, yeah. And it was like it was like looking into the like into the eyes of God. He couldn't yeah. handle it, and he just compl- had like a genuine brain aneurysm before he even got to shake his hand, and mm-hmm. then that was it. So we'll be flying to his funeral in a couple of days. We'll do a
1: live show live from Andrew's funeral. It was a bit like Icarus and the sun. You know, exactly. He just Flew got too to- close. yeah, <laughs> way too
2: close. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There is a there is a picture online on Facebook uh, that Andrew posted of him and right next to Bruce, and the the smile that he's giving. If if any of you know Andrew at all, like you would know that the smile that he is giving is not really a conscious smile, <laughs> because he is. Because his consciousness is nowhere near where his celestial body is.
0: I actually agree with that. When I saw that picture of him and Bruce, I texted message Laura. I said, Andrew looks high as fuck in this photo. He looks like he's disembodied. He's living an out-of-body experience. Having an
2: outer-body experience. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought.
1: Yeah. You guys. Maybe Andrew was taking the picture of Andrew with Bruce.
2: And he, like, got Whoa. a wax figure from Madame Tussauds?
1: Yeah. Right, we're taking this too far. Let's, let's, yeah. Speaking let's of out-of-body experiences, Matt, what are you doing?
2: I'm touching myself?
1: No, 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 but I see a note here. That you signed up for something. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs>
2: That's not an outer body experience, though. Well,
1: something's coming out of your body. Yes,
0: something is coming out. Pick up on the pun, Matt, and run with it.
2: Shut up. Okay. So what I did this week, I did not meet my hero, but this guy named Adam Crick, I believe his name is. He just got recently diagnosed with blood cancer and he needs a bone marrow match, uh, in order to, you know, continue with the, uh, with, with the procedure of getting better. But unfortunately, uh, getting donors is, is very scarce right now because, uh, to be a donor for bone marrow is completely voluntary and it's not like associated with like you becoming a donor on your license or anything. It's, it's completely separate. So, um, right. this, it's like being th- a
1: blood donor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so,
2: uh, this organization called gift of life are, um, is an organization that tries to get as many donors to be able to find matches for thousands of people who need it all over the world. And this particular, uh, this particular drive is for this uh for this guy in l a who has uh, a couple kids and he is um, he he's basically terminally ill unless we find a donor for him. so my neighbor told me about uh, the one he went to and he said how easy it was and how easy it was to become a uh, a bone marrow donor and I was like, "Fuck, no, no, no no no, no, it's not easy, and it's definitely not painless because I saw that. Have you guys seen that movie Marvin's room?" Mm-hmm. With Leo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. like that one scene where Robert De Niro stabs Diane Keaton in in the hip and it goes right into her bone marrow and she screams in pain. Like, fuck that noise. But since then, uh, I guess there has been so many advances in in medicine, who knew, and how... How it's done now, the testing is that you just take a cotton swab and put it and rub it behind your cheek in each, in each corner of your mouth. So you do four cotton swabs and then you put it into a, a little, you know, a little envelope and then they, you send it out and then you're done. You just fill out some information about you. And then if you're a don't, if you're a, a match, then they fly you out to whichever hospital or, or place that they are doing the procedure for that patient. And then you s- basically save a person's life because because of it so
1: that's super cool yeah um i think that a lot of people don't think a whole lot about bone marrow donation just because it's not been a super common thing but um, it's,
2: yeah it's not a conversation that we, right. we hear very often that's but cool
1: it's, yeah so it when, was great when will you know if you're a match
2: i don't know they had um, a huge drive in israel where mm-hmm. like thirty thousand people donated which is amazing so right now i think they're they're kind of backlogged right now with all the uh, donations because you don't you don't also have to go to a particular drive. You can just sign up online and they will mail you a, a swab kit mm-hmm. where you can just do it at home and then email it back. So, um, cool. And where where
1: can we do to where can we go to sign up for that?
2: Um, it's giftoflife.org. Cool. I will we'll put a link on on the webs on the episode page.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I would encourage It'll everybody be. do to do that. That's very cool. Yep,
2: three minutes um, of your life.
1: Yeah. So, I haven't been doing anything that charitable or interesting lately. However, I did record a blog the other day for Patreon. What?
2: But... Oh, yeah, I saw it. It's, it's amazing. I love watching you drive. Why? It's just fascinating.
1: Wait, you were driving? Yeah. I did a driving blog. A driving blog? Yeah.
2: I love how concerned Delisa is. When I am. Driving?
1: well I want to be clear were you holding the where all right how did this work were you holding selfie? Camera I have a up? no I have a mount yeah you do
2: <laughs> I feel like you need to describe this a little better because I'm no, now I have, I'm concerned
1: no I have one of those um like mounts for your phone that suction cups to the windshield
2: oh nice like yeah. what every uber driver has
1: yes exactly now what did you what did you talk about while you were um well, I was drinking a pumpkin spice latte, so I talked about at how night. Much- yeah, why? It why? Why not at night?
2: No, it was caffeine and stuff.
1: It was Saturday. I was going places. It was
2: Saturday. Okay, I did my pumpkin spice latte.
1: Yeah, and it was it was under sixty five degrees. So fuck you. Um, I talked about why uh Gary Johnson. Is stupid and why voting third party is stupid. Um, I I talked about this idiot that I was supposed to go on a date with, but didn't because he ended up getting really weird. Uh, And that was pretty much it. I just kind of rambled about my life, Uh, now things that nobody cares about.
2: How, like, what is the ratio or percentage of your dates that turn in that just turn out to be really weird? Is it like? 60 40 80
1: 20 gosh in your favor um i mean for the most part i i go on a lot of first dates i'm really picky uh so usually like if i get to the point where i'm going on the date with somebody uh i usually decide that there will not be a number two <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like so the end of an that. interview
2: or something well thank you so much um I will. I will let you know how tonight went.
1: And, and I never good
2: do. luck with all your future endeavors.
1: Right, exactly.
2: We will not be calling you.
1: No, I send the email rejection. I, I, re- I regret to inform you that you were not selected.
2: I really. I, th- this is kind of the thing. Th- this is one of those moments where I really wish we were all like living within like a a comfortable like commuting distance because. I think Elisa and I and Andrew should go on these dates for you, but as, like, a job interview process.
1: Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah, like yeah you're the, what you're, could go wrong there? You're, you're middle management, basically. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You're like, so, like, if, if they you, you, you want to gain questions. entry to Laura's snatch, you have to get through me first.
2: Mm-hmm. And it is it is a job to get through
1: yeah well if you want to try you can come hang out with us on election night um we are hoping to have some kind of meetup on the evening of november 8th in washington dc um so if you think you might be interested in that go ahead and fill out our form it's in both our facebook group and on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash millennial shows yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Yeah. That um, sounds about right. We'll, we'll, we'll also link to the form in our show notes and put it up on the website uh, just in case you can't find it. Um, There are three That's options on the month form. a
2: away, guys. This election is a month away. I know. Thank God. Cause I'm tired of talking about it.
1: There are three options on the form. <laughs> yes, no, and maybe. Um, At this point, we've got like enough no's. So if you think your answer is going to be a no, maybe don't take it.
2: Yeah, we really don't care if you can't go.
1: <laughs> like, I'm even like, why did I even put no as an answer on there? <laughs> Are you not going to... Oh no, no so just many people aren't going to gonna be
0: able count. to make Laura's it. Laura's like, no, let's get a head count of all the people who aren't interested.
1: <laughs> well, my fear was that if I put yes or maybe, that all the no people would default to Maybe. And skew our numbers. Know what I mean?
0: Billy Bean. Yeah, I
1: gotcha. Okay. Well, if you can't go, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, okay. We're going to go ahead and launch straight into the news, which this week is going to have a lot to do with the upcoming election. I do apologize for anybody who's sick of hearing about this. However, in a month, it'll be over. Hopefully... (laughs) Um
2: home stretch, guys. By it's it home she stretch.
1: by it, she means the Republic. A month from now, <laughs> it'd be over. Well, I guess technically it wouldn't be over until January twentieth, right? True. We would still although- have another <laughs> month and a half of Brock. We'd have a month and a half to escape, is what that means.
0: I feel like the month and a half between election day and inauguration day is going to just be a collective the entire country is just going to spend it um very somberly um paying homage to barack obama i envision like lines of people with candles outside the (laughs) white house you know singing you know um candle in the wind and just i mean he hasn't gone anywhere it's just that we miss him already and Mm -hmm. everyone is you know bemoaning his loss i really I feel that. yeah
2: i feel like like the country just broke up with its broke up with the best thing that ever would ever happen like the best boyfriend in the world and then we're like oh fuck i didn't mean to say those things
1: now we're gonna but it's out. also like a totally amicable split where you can't even hate the person
0: it those just had worst. to happen those are the worst because rage gets you through it anger is what gets you through the pain when you don't have the anger then all you have is self-loathing and reflection, and nobody likes that. Yeah. Th- and that's, that's what the country just, yeah. is going to go through. And re- <laughs> I, really, I really feel like we're all just going to, like, oh, my God. And then we're going to rebound into Hillary Clinton and be like, I mean, this is good enough. Fine.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if we do need some of that rage, we may not get it from Barack, but we probably will get it from Donald Trump. Uh, he's had... An interesting few days. Seems like it doesn't... He's had an
2: interesting year.
1: Yeah, but, like, the last few days just seems like haven't gotten better for him. Uh Saturday night, uh some of his tax records from 1995 were leaked to the New York Times, and it turns out that that year, he claimed a loss of something like $196 million. Oh, no, it was nine hundred sixty. Oh, excuse me. I got... I had a discalcula there. Yeah, I inverted those numbers yeah so almost a billion dollars yeah yeah 916 million dollars which if you adjust for inflation
0: is like 1.2 billion Mm -hmm. or something like that by today's standards and the crazy part of it well first of all let's all just acknowledge that saturday night the news dropped we all got like alerts i immediately like shoot onto facebook messenger and i'm like guys you're never gonna believe this It made it made my night. I Mm -hmm. was really I was so stoked about this news. Yeah. But uh in addition to that, let's acknowledge how crazy it is that the return address um you know how you can you can kind you can kind of you can and it's not like so the return address was Trump Towers in New York City. So somebody anonymously sent the New York Times this year's worth this year's worth of um tax returns from Trump Towers. And it wasn't just that someone hand wrote that in. Someone could lie. It's that they looked at the postage and they could see where it was stamped. And it was from the same zip code, the same area as Trump Towers. So they're probably telling the truth. Which is a roundabout way of saying this was an internal leak. And <laughs> I thought, Whoops. I mean, that that should tell us almost as much as the returns themselves. That somebody who works closely with Donald Trump, closely enough to have access to his personal files... Thought to themselves, I need to take action here and stop this man from becoming president. Um, that I mean, I think that that in itself kind of speaks volumes.
2: Was it the New York Times that that broke it? The yes, names? they were the ones who had the file. Yeah, and then recently, not or not too long after after the story, they, uh, some I forget which reporter, but uh, somebody from the New York Times did an interview, and the interviewer asked if there was any more information, like any more tax information from from about trump and they basically i mean they said no comment but the way they implied it or the way they looked implied that there was more information that they just hadn't been able to say it yet
1: right it it definitely seemed like they had more copies but the the really interesting part of this of course is that he he um reported that that Almost a billion dollar loss. He reported it as a loss on his taxes, which very well means that he may not have been paying federal taxes for the last two decades. Yeah. To give real- you a little
2: insight on that, when he- those tax returns was during the same year he was a cameo on Home Alone 2. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you say? Okay. No, but. For me, that really put a date on it. You're the, he he was on in the movie Home Alone too.
1: <laughs> I I believe you, Matt. Oh, um. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> Sorry, these what, are the facts. This is this is the stuff. We <laughs> well, need what to know. I was
1: thinking is, of course, this is 1995. Like this is the economy was booming at that point. Like, what kind of smart businessman loses a billion dollars in
0: 1995? Yeah. So I want to I I. <laughs> I want to explain that, that first of all, he lost almost a, a billion dollars because it's, it's been well recorded that he completely mismanaged a series of casinos in Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey. And so when that happened, um he lost all of this money because the casinos went under that's the year that this happened which is fine okay and i think we could all agree that if you lose any amount of money if you actually claim a deficit then it's understandable that you wouldn't pay income taxes that year um because at least you know you didn't make anything that year what's crazy though is that he didn't he, he sort of gets away with not paying taxes for 18 years. And the reason for that is because there's like this loophole that basically says if you claim a deficit this large in one year, that you don't have to start paying taxes again on your income until you have earned that much in income. So if he lost $916 million in 1995, he doesn't have to start paying taxes again until he makes $916 million again.
2: It's, it's, it, it's so funny putting that into consideration when during the entire campaign, one of his biggest platforms or Donald's biggest platforms is that he has made so much money being a, a successful businessman. Yet he is, he found a loophole by not, by not paying his taxes by saying that he has lost so much and isn't worth that much. So
1: right uh, well and let's let's also point out the fact that he's not made that money back during the last two decades which confirms what we already knew which is that he is not as rich as he says he is. And the Trump campaign
0: released this statement. They said, "Quote, Mr. Trump is a highly skilled businessman who has a fiduciary responsibility to his business, his family, and his employees to pay no more tax than legally required. That being said, Mr. Trump has paid hundreds of millions of dollars in property taxes, sales and excise taxes, real estate taxes, state taxes, etc., etc. Mr. Trump knows the tax code far better than anyone who has ever run for president, and he is the only one who knows how to fix it. So they they neither confirmed nor denied that that the returns were real, which basically means that they're real. If, if someone came out and released something that was patently false, it is incumbent upon the campaign to say so the fact that they didn't say so. I mean, it's very clear that, that these are real. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and it just kept getting worse for him because that same night within hours of this leak happening, he was giving a speech in Pennsylvania during which he went off prompter and began doing a physical mockery of Hillary Clinton collapsing on 9-11. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah, I, I did. Yeah.
2: Was this the same? Was this the same? Yeah, this was the same time when he was like full on, like attacking Bernie Sanders.
1: Yes. Yeah, he was attacking oh. Bernie Sanders and saying that Hillary rigged the primaries, et cetera, et cetera. He shouldn't support her, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, his, like
2: his, his movement, his followers is nowhere near close to his movement or Bernie's yeah. movements nowhere close to mm. Donald's movement.
1: Yeah. Mm-mm. So, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, and the map is not looking very good for him. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have been looking at 538 um but it keeps getting just more and more beautiful in my opinion
0: i know i agree i mean there was there was a week there where donald trump was really able to maintain some discipline as regards his message just attack hillary stick to his policies whatever the fuck they might be and um and that was it but he's completely gone off the rails And the map is definitely looking much more in, in Clinton's favor than it was previously. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to say on this, on the taxes though, is number one, it's important to point out that this, this loophole that Donald Trump took advantage of, uh, to probably not pay federal income taxes for two decades was completely legal. The reason we call it a loophole and not, you know, um, a, criminal act of tax evasion is because it is legal so no one should or is accusing Donald Trump of breaking the law but all that really tells us all that should tell us is that everything that the Democratic Party and particularly Bernie Sanders to his credit everything they've been telling us about like the top 1% uh, not paying their fair share has merit that Mm -hmm. argument there's truth to it. And this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why. Because the tax system is set up in a way that you can have somebody um who's making hundreds of millions of dollars not pay any income tax because they s- screwed up their casino deal in Atlantic City one year. Meanwhile, you know, the, the middle class secretaries and school teachers they're paying, you know, uh, a real income tax rate of anywhere between fifteen to to twenty five percent, depending. So it's it's crazy. It's insane. So I think that in some that this really just bolsters a democratic narrative. And secondly, and lastly, even though this is legal, I don't want to hear shit from any Republicans supporting Donald Trump ever again about quote unquote welfare queens or people yep. taking advantage of the welfare state because the people who are on welfare and who uh, there's an accusation, for example, that someone will have a child just to get more food stamps or that, which of course is nonsense. But even if that were true, even if, if the accusations were true against people who take advantage of welfare, well, aren't they just smart? Aren't they just taking advantage of the walls of this country? That's exactly verbatim. What Donald Trump said, Hey, I'm just taking advantage of the laws of the country. You know, I'm smart. I'm a smart businessman. Can't you say the same thing about them? No. So any fucking anybody, Republican or Democrat, for that matter, who supports Donald Trump, you've completely lost the ability, as far as I'm concerned, to criticize anyone who takes advantage of social safety nets, period.
1: So go fuck yourself. Yeah, I would say that's that's the narrative of this election. Go fuck yourself. Uh, speaking nope, of which, <laughs> we had uh, the the vice presidential debate recently between Tim Kaine and Mike Pence. Ooh. So we all we all watch this. Uh, who do we think won? Well,
2: see, this is interesting because, well, okay let let's get let's get our opinions first. Um, I you know what I really, uh, I mean, I will definitely say if I had to choose, I would say Kaine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But no, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say it, it it depends on what you're using to qualify it. Um mm-hmm. I think in terms of posture and um poise, I would say that Pence was a lot stronger in that regard. Um he was far better at remaining very placid throughout uh, whereas kane was kind of treating it like like an inquisition <laughs> with all the the questions and interruptions that he was doing um however i will say that kane made sense whereas if you you know fucking paid attention to what mike pence was saying for 2 seconds it was all bullshit um so i think i think it just it depends on what how you're measuring it you know
2: yeah absolutely but like your opinion
1: Oh, in my opinion, I think Tim Kaine won because I care about what is being said as opposed to how it looks when it's being said. But that's Mm -hmm. not true for the rest of the populace.
2: Right. Elisa?
0: I think we saw. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last time. What does it really mean Mm -hmm. to win to win a debate? Yeah, I I think think
2: that's the problem go ahead
0: That is the problem yeah i think last time we we discussed and we acknowledged that by and large all it takes to win a debate is to appropriately um or effectively play the expectations game you play down the expectations beforehand that way whatever the hell happens you come out on top and i think that the trump pence ticket had that beat going into this one because the expectations were pretty were set very low for Mike Pence by Donald Trump. All Mike Pence had to do was be better than Donald Trump, be more presidential, um be more calm and poised and collected, and he certainly was. He 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 was much better than Trump in that regard. And so I think that Pence had a natural advantage there, whereas the bar for Kane was different. He's being compared to Hillary Clinton, who even if you don't like her, um, certainly does have the presidential, you know, calm and collected mm-hmm. thing going for her. So I think there were two different expectations for them. Mm-hmm. I agree with what Laura said, though. I agree with what Laura said. I think, in terms of style, Pence did, Pence did well. Kane kept interrupting Pence. And there's a certain amount And of the that
2: moderator, that, too. Yeah.
0: And the moderator. And there's a certain amount of that that we expect. And to be fair, in terms of debates, everyone is told that you should interrupt. Because the 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 entire the entire goal of the debate is to control the narrative, and if you're letting the other person talk too much, then they're controlling it. Uh, so you never want to let your opponent in a debate speak for more than you know 45 seconds uninterrupted, generally. So that's why he was doing it, but I think he was a little overzealous. I think he I think he I think Kane did it a little bit too much and sort of mm-hmm. um bit a. a And and then Pence would call him on it. Pence Mm -hmm. would sort of turn to Kane and and say, you know, like, what are you doing, man? Like, where did you get that from? And that just made Pence seem all the more poised, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. But I also... I mean, I think, though, Pence's, like, calm demeanor and um, more, like, presidential, like, look, for lack of a better word, um, I don't think it was more to for the Trump campaign as opposed to like his campaign for the next presidential election.
1: I, I don't know I, if the Republicans would want to run anything remotely related to Donald Trump in the future. If well, that's why to, he's
2: like... not, tr- he's trying to be very an- like the exact opposite of Donald Trump. He's trying to do show that he, that he can do this, that he can be presidential, that he will not spew and interrupt constantly like he has a very calm demeanor he's not saying fucking anything but he looks good and that's really what the republicans like is when someone looks like a president doesn't really matter what he says
0: i think mike pence looks like herman munster i think he (laughs) looks like a funeral director but that's just me yeah but
2: you but you got you girls were right though like that was pence pence's job was really just to deflect all the accusations from all the all the previous things that Donald Trump has said and done and that's what he did he didn't really answer any accusation directly he kind of just went a different way and then just never went back to the original question
1: right and i think that's the one thing that could ultimately come back and bite the trump camp in the ass is that definitely kane came across as being really uh he he interrupted all the time he wasn't quite as polished however i think that his goal, I think his instruction going into this debate was clearly to be the attack dog. Yeah. And try and force responses out of Pence. So now they've got tons of sound bites of, you know, Kane asking things, well, how do you address Donald Trump's comments about Mexicans, calling them rapists?
0: And oh, yeah, then that you've Mexican got, thing. And
1: then you've got Pence's lame ass reply, not even addressing the comment. So I think this could end up working out to their advantage a little bit later
0: i think it's working to their advantage right now the the clinton campaign actually just released uh their newest ad and the entire ad is um picture or or video rather of tim kane repeating a quote that donald trump has said such as mexicans are rapists etc and then mike pence Shaking his head and saying, no, no, that's not what we said. And then the ad cuts to Trump saying exactly that. Mm-hmm. It's the entire ad is that Cain, Kane, sa- Kane repeating Trump, Pence denying it. And then the evidence that it was true. Mm-hmm. So basically
1: um, Kane was set up t- for this debate to make yes. that ad. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I was talking actually to, to my brother about this earlier. And my brother was like, wow, I'm so surprised that they were able to pull this ad together in like, you know, 12 hours. And I was thinking, well, that's because the debate, they, they, they catered the debate to make the ad, not the other way around. The ad was already kind of pre-written before the debate even happened. The entire Kane was sent into that with the explicit, you know, mission statement of challenge Pence on things that Trump has said. Make Pence defend Trump. Which is why you saw, if you watched the VP debate, you saw at least a dozen times Kane would say, you can't defend Trump. You can't even defend, you know, the the very person you're asking the American people to vote for. Mm-hmm. That that line was not by coincidence. And he hammered that home a million times because this is the this is the angle now. Pence can't defend his own running mate. And it, but it's funny
2: to like going off of what you just said, Elisa, about, uh, Pence, uh, you know, like protect, not really protecting, but like defending what Trump said. But what I got from the, the, the thing that I would walk away after watching the debate was knowing that Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine are a team more than Donald Trump. And Mike Pence.
1: Oh, completely.
2: And it, you know, it just showed how much, like Tim Kaine showed a lot of just excitement and you know energy, and just he exuded support for Hillary Clinton for his for his running mate.
1: Right. Well, Tim Kaine actually knows what her plans are. Um, Mike Pence, on a number of occasions, has been caught by reporters. Asking for him to clarify Donald Trump's position on things like mass deportations. And he literally can't comment because Trump doesn't know what his fucking position on that is.
2: And it changes. Yep. Constantly. There's, yeah.
1: And I want to say this wasn't,
0: the vice presidential debate was not, it was not a clear cut victory um, in either person's favor in my opinion the way the the presidential one was i do think pence did very well there's no taking away from that but afterwards the cnn orc poll showed that about 49% of respondents said that pence won 42% said that kane won so mm-hmm. definitely a little bit in pence's favor but not not dramatically mm-hmm definitely something you know that that gap is easily narrowed i think kane really did hold his own he was so much better on on the substance um and and he actually had a couple of zingers in there i was really proud of him to me like kane is still like this adorable like kibler elf but like when he was speaking about actual policy issues and challenging pence um i was I was on board the Kane train. I was yeah. all aboard that Kane.
2: He was train. on the offense because he because he would not let anything that Pence said go. That was a, a bold-faced lie.
0: No, he wouldn't. He, he would really, jump yeah. right
2: on it, and that's why a lot. Of, and that's when a lot of his interruption uh, interrupting happened when he was calling him out.
0: I and, my, one of my favorite one of my favorite things Kane Kane said. And it's so juvenile, but whatever. Um, Kane was like talking about how uh, Trump and Pence have continually praised Vladimir Putin uh, as this great strong leader and Kane was Kane was like if you can't tell the difference between leadership and dictatorship you need to go back to the 5th grade it's like oh <laughs>
2: oh, oh damn oh, snap
1: snap <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i was actually talking to a republican friend of mine today um this person is very republican um, But he's actually crossing the aisle to vote for Hillary Clinton this year because he's terrified of Donald Trump. And he flat out told me he was like, if it were Mike Pence running for president, I would 100% vote for him. So I do think uh, that Pence is more is a better reflection of most Republicans, even though I, I was still horrified by that. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pence is
0: a terrifying figure, yeah. uh, 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 in in his own right. In my in my personal yeah. opinion, I I think I think he has a far more presidential temperament than Donald Trump. I trust Pence not to be baited with a tweet in the words of Hillary Clinton. So I I think he he has like that that calm and that bravado. But I don't think like I mean he's he is sort of I mean he's so pro-life it's insane he helped pass a law that said if you have an abortion um or even if you have a miscarriage you have to give that that um baby fetus whatever you personally choose to however you choose to reference it you have to give it burial rights and a whole funeral and it has to be properly you know etc and
2: he was proud of it yeah
0: and 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 it was it's is basically a way to shame women, not just for abortions, by the way, but again for miscarriages. You I mean it's it's crazy. It didn't matter by the way what stage the miscarriage happened. It could happen like month number four and it could be like, you know it would not it, it would just be, you know, a four month old mm-hmm. fetus and you would still have to do that. I mean, because that's just how pro pro life he is. I think right. that he has a really bad record socially. Well, right. but well, after he said that, oh go ahead, Laura. I was just gonna say, gonna say we, the same thing.
1: We also have the religious freedom law in his state. So oh, yeah. And what's religious what's freedom law? Uh that was the you're one that basically Yeah, you're allowed to discriminate against uh people based on your religious beliefs. So for right. instance, uh if you're a bakery and you're a Christian bakery, um you can refuse to bake a cake for a gay wedding.
2: But what I loved also Tim's or uh, Tim Kaine's response to that uh, when they were talking about abortion was he asked, he asked Tim Kaine, why do you not respect women? Why do you, why do you not, what was it? It's like, I, why, why do you not like women and allow them to have a choice? Or why do you not respect women's choices? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Fuck. What was it? It was something like that. It was, but it was so profound. I, I was like, damn, Tim, you'd be taking it home. He was, he was on the offense and I loved it because that's not really something that we see from Hillary Clinton that often. She's very calm and collected, but we needed someone in that camp. Who's going to, you know, whip out the big guns, the big balls.
1: I don't think Hillary has any trouble whipping her balls out when she needs to. Um, yeah, we just well, don't want
2: to see the public doesn't want to see it that's what's the sad part
1: mm, too bad well mm. I mean if the end of the Republic is nearing uh, it, it might possibly be a good thing Elisa can you tell us about this next story
0: yeah I mean if if we're all gonna if we're all gonna implode anyway then, uh, then this next story maybe won't be as true anymore um, but experts are now suggesting that The global population is booming a lot faster than they even thought. A new report issued by the Population Reference Bureau says that the world's population is likely to swell to 9.9 billion by 2050. That is about 400 million more people than they have previously predicted. And the problem isn't just with the number of people. It's where those people will probably be born. And it'll probably, they're, they're estimating if current projections are accurate, likely be born in Africa and India and, um, uh, Eastern Europe. And of course, it's problematic because there's a, there's a lot of, they're still up and coming. These are still developing countries. Uh, not all of them, some of them are still developing countries. So, are they going to have the resources to support a population like that? One of the biggest reasons why population is booming faster than we thought is because people are living longer than we thought. A lot of it, obviously, has to just do with simple math. You know, you create two people, those two people create two more people, and it's just, you know, people just breed like rabbits, and it's a whole multiples game, but... People are also living longer. It's a great thing because it means that we've made huge advances in in health and medicine. But now what? Um mm-hmm. and I always like to point this stuff out. Wh- I always like to point out population numbers when, when reports like this are issued. Because I think it just really hammers home how critical it is that we start to manage our resources better than we are.
2: Mm-hmm. And these are the countries that are killing the gays. Like, we really need to... We really need to stop that because they're the ones who are keeping this population down. But if we keep killing them, you, you what
1: know,
2: you don't know, Elisa, you're not part of the club.
1: I, that's, that's true. No, but I, I do think that this also on the other side of the coin, we need to be thinking about sustainability in terms of just our population. Like there is only so much room on the planet we need to really be working on perhaps i don't going to guess, mars no it's going to sound super bad but like perhaps you know teaching more about contraception and other birth control methods so that people don't have a million kids and i know that right. sounds really mean but like it's kind of true mhm
0: now, the world can support... So, again, the figure was they're estimating 9.9 billion by 2050. Just so happens that um, estimate... Now, the, the listen, this is not like perfect science, uh, but consensus seems to be the world can comfortably support about 12 billion people uh, before shit really starts to hit the fan.
2: Yeah, but that's... that's- that's like as of right now. Like, who knows what's going to happen in the next twenty or thirty years?
0: Well, they're saying that if it's nine point, if let's let's say it's ten billion by 2050, then that means you know that's two billion more people. Uh, that's of a, a quote wiggle room before things really start to get to get difficult. But that's right around the corner, just because of you know, like like I said, just because of simple math and multiples. People keep you know procreating. People are living longer. You know, 12 billion people is not that far out. I mean, that's easily in our lifetime, guys. Mm -hmm. And that's, I'm just saying, this is something that we need to be thinking about. I'm all for people living longer. I'm not saying the solution is to, like, create those, like, government-issued death panels that everyone said was going to come with Obamacare. Like, I think is largely this is great news that people are living longer. But we have to account for that every everything has to have a consequence and the consequence here should really just be, we need to like get our shit together. We need to make mm-hmm. sure that we're actually taking care of our planet so that it can take care of us.
2: Green.
1: Yeah. Also like stop having so many kids.
2: Well, you know, it wouldn't I'm going to that- be the heart.
1: Would- I'm going to be the heartless bitch. And just, say it
2: wouldn't it. be that hard if sex didn't feel so great.
1: Oh Lord. Uh, Alright.
2: It really does, it really does.
1: Um so <laughs> so <laughs> something that might help us uh keep the planet nice Matt, I'm sorry, you totally threw me off. Um something that might help keep the planet nicer for us as we approach that magical number of twelve billion. Uh France has banned plastic cups and plates. Yeah
2: yeah they did,
0: yeah they did. I thought this was some hidden from the headlines worthy shit, because I haven't heard much about it except for um actually reports straight from from Paris, but has been picked up widely but yeah they they banned plastic cups, plates, and utensils anything that is not considered compostable, so the law comes in or goes into effect rather in twenty twenty and it's part of France's. New aggressive campaign to tackle climate change. Uh, it's awesome for a couple of reasons. First of all, plastic is a big fucking problem. It takes, on average, depending on the type of plastic, between 500 and a 1,000 years for plastic to even begin to degrade. Billions of pounds of plastic are swirling in our oceans. Um, 80% of pollution enters the ocean from the land... And almost 80%, it's like 74% of that pollution is plastic. We actually have right now, currently in the ocean, a giant island. I think it's like, mm-hmm. it's the size of like one of like Hawaii's small islands.
2: Yeah. It's one of the Hawaiian islands.
0: It's the I size it's of one. Of the, yeah. I think it's a, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's one, it's the size of one of Hawaii's islands and it's nothing but plastic. It wasn't put there on purpose It just naturally sort of converged together. Um, It's it's horrendous. One million seabirds and 100,000 marine mammals are killed every year from plastic in our oceans. It's gotten so bad now that the United Nations has issued health warnings to 26 countries not to eat the fish and the seafood directly along their shorelines. Because the fish and the seafood has consumed plastic. And so we can't, we can't consume the animals that consume plastic. So it's affecting the food chain. So all in all, this sounds like a great thing that, that France has done. But problem being, of course, some groups, like one in particular called Pack to Go, are pressing the European Commission to strike down the law on the grounds that it violates European Union trade laws that protect the free movement of goods so they're concerned basically about the plastic industry being hit by this
2: well
1: I mean sorry develop a new product
2: (laughs) I am yeah I don't have any further opinion on this matter than just fuck pack to go
1: (laughs) very eloquent yeah, yeah, I mean, the whole reason for this is plastic is cheap to produce. That's why they don't want to go about finding something that's more sustainable.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. I will also say, too, that there is such a thing as biodegradable plastic.
1: Mm hmm. But it's, it's lot more
0: expensive. Exactly. It's a relatively new phenomenon um i i don't know how long it's been around but it's really it's less than a decade it's it's pretty new and 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 like you said laura it's expensive um uh, so no one really wants to shell out for it because frankly the benefit of plastic is that it's cheap and so now everyone's like well what the fuck but it's not like you can't produce plastic anymore it just means you have to make it the biodegradable uh variety
2: Yeah. And it's, it's not something that like we should debate over. It's something that obviously makes sense. And the other option is just irresponsible.
0: Well, how do you think something like this would go over in the United States? How do you think people would react to it if we banned plastic utensils?
1: And that shit would go over like a lead balloon.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it would not, it, yeah, it would not go over well if we didn't have another option to replace it that was safe for the environment but we just don't so it's not really a conversation that yeah we see but like also
1: that. like all the so-called like liberty fighters would argue about how it was a violation of our rights that the government took took away plastic utensils no yeah, i'm not kidding they would try to make it into a talking point it's just it's not even worth it this country is going away soon so
2: I'm not done yet.
1: <laughs> oh dear! Well, what does this mean for the EU? I mean, if you have a country that wants to put its own environmental laws into effect, but then um, the European Commission can theoretically strike down the law, right? I I don't see. That's,
0: that concerns me because, uh, it concerns me from the perspective of protecting this, this European Union experiment. I mean, we've already had the, the Brexit vote and, uh, which I think, you know, was not a very good harbinger. But if, if the European Commission were to try and take control here and say, um, you know, national sovereignty over your own environmental laws has to take a back seat to EU trade laws. I can't imagine that that wouldn't be a problem for for the French. I can't imagine that the French would be thrilled about that just on sheer principle, you know, right. that the EU would be stepping in that way. Certainly, certainly, um, you know, a lot of Brits had have problems with you know that's kind of what the brexit campaign was about the pro the pro brexit campaign was all about national sovereignty they didn't want the eu stepping on their toes and a lot of people kind of laughed that off and everyone and most people thought that brexit was silly but you know if something like this were to happen if the eu stepped on France's own enviro laws uh that would maybe add some credence to those arguments I don't know.
2: I want to know why this is only strictly um, uh, focused on the European Union. Like, isn't this something like United Nations should talk about?
0: I More don't on think, a global scale? I think United that's Nations is different. Yeah, I think EU is this is about like trade mostly. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly like the an EU issue. But in any case, I mean, this is—I'm not like particularly well versed on on the European Commission and where they have jurisdiction here. So, if anyone who lives in in France has an opinion on this matter, uh, I would love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, we can talk to our friend Lena. Yeah, she is in L- France. Oh yay! Oh, that's right. Yeah, Lena Sophia. All right. Well, we're going to move on to fuck off Cupid. Yay. This is a segment I that we- I love
2: fuck off Cupid. I missed it. This
1: is a segment we haven't done in a while. Um, so for those of you who haven't heard it before, this is when we take, uh, real life examples of messages that happen on online dating sites and we perform dramatic readings, uh, with sexy music underlaying our reading. And we're going to go ahead and do this first one. Matt, you're going to play the creep, okay? As always. All right.
2: Mm, Okay. Hello, baby girl. How do you feel about getting pregnant?
1: I'd prefer to do the impregnating, if that's all right, big boy.
2: If it was possible, I might just agree out of curiosity.
1: Oh, cool. Just thought you seemed like you might be into that since you're into asking women you've never met about how they feel about getting pregnant.
2: I know, right? Asking women on a dating site what their views on having children are? Crazy. LOL.
1: LOL. You can try to reframe that in your mind so it doesn't seem like a creepy way to open a conversation all you want.
2: And you can keep telling yourself you aren't a sad, jaded woman who it doesn't seem like a closed-minded way of viewing a conversation about a future family or children on a dating site. Either way, enjoy your future cats.
1: <laughs> what was that accent?
2: <laughs> I had. I think I. I, I honestly <laughs> think I changed my accent each time.
1: You literally had. You were like four different people.
2: And I honestly didn't read this discussion, so the first part kind of kind of <laughs> took me back a little bit.
1: Yeah, how, ma- how imagine imagine about- receiving that message. Yeah,
0: I just want to be clear about what this is. This is a real fucking message you got where yeah. a guy opened up with "I Wait, wait. what do you say? Hello, how, do you baby feel girl, about- how do you
1: feel about getting pregnant?
2: He started with baby girl and then asked him about yeah. getting pregnant.
1: That was the first message. How is that
0: How does this happen how does anybody and then he tries to justify it by saying it's totally normal that like what
1: well let's be clear the first message had nothing to do with children or family or even getting pregnant he was just asking if i wanted to fuck
2: uh without a condom
1: yeah that that's all that was and then he tried to reframe the narrative so that it was like oh i'm just i'm just trying to ask about future family and children you know like that's not fucking weird like what if you went on a first date and somebody was like so do you want kids uh no i don't want to talk about that on a first date let alone have somebody be like how you feel about getting pregnant and that's even so miracle- like that's yeah <laughs>
0: I don't care if he's asking, I don't care if that's a euphemism for sex or if he's just being very blunt about the children question. Either way, it is creepy and bizarre and socially tone deaf to open any conversation that way, whether it's online or not. How do I have to even sit here and explain this? That's what I don't get. Why do we have to have this conversation? Like, where was he raised?
1: In Georgia um
2: <laughs> well enjoy your cats <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so my response to that was just like lol okay bro um and then he blocked me oh <gasps> yeah oh laura you were just I being know, so
2: close-minded
1: i know i'm being so close-minded about some guy like and the weird thing was okay so he didn't even his profile picture didn't even have his face in it it was like clearly a mirror selfie where you could only see like his chest but he was wearing a shirt which I didn't get. Yeah. So I just I think it's so fascinating. And I kind of wanted to talk about um the culture that surrounds how men react to rejection or being called out when they do creepy shit like this, because it seems like they don't tend to take it that well.
2: Yeah, we really don't.
1: Well, and I was gonna, I, w- I wanted to ask you about this specifically related to the gay community in a minute, Matt. Um, yep. but when I'm thinking about the, the way that this happens between men and women is like in, in the best case scenario, you get an exchange like the one we just read for you, right? Where it's like, abusive but it's over text and ultimately you can block it and go on with your day but worst case scenario there have been a number of cases even one as recently as a couple months ago where women have been fucking murdered for saying no Mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember this woman who was dancing at a club and some guy came up and started grinding on her and she said no and he fucking killed her Yeah what like what's going on with this i really do want to understand like what is this phenomenon that we're seeing culturally where so many men are, are seemingly so wounded by having somebody turn them down that they feel like they need to turn to being you know verbally abusive mm-hmm. or even physically attack somebody
2: I, I don't know like there i mean obviously there are numerous factors that can be put in into into this fray, but I mean, do we really see like we glorify, you know, the man asking the woman out that scenario. And we don't really, we don't really show the opposite of what's happening in, in, in like a normal light, you know, as it being just a perfectly normal thing for someone just not being into you. Because once when, when usually someone gets rejected, the, uh the person who's doing the rejecting is often seen as like the villain or the antagonist of whichever situation is going on and you know and also pride plays a big play play into it and there's just there, there there's so many things that can go into consideration when these things happen and i mean none of it's good like yeah. a lot of it yeah i mean it's we we just tend to not really pay attention to the <laughs> You know, the the negative slash failures of everyday situations.
1: Yeah, I I guess my question about this, and this is purely anecdotal, but I'm I'm a fairly like proactive person when it comes to expressing my interest in somebody I've been known to ask guys that I liked out. And I've had a couple of occasions where I've been turned down, and like, yeah, you feel a little bit butt hurt about it, but you don't fucking tell them what a piece of shit they are. Like, oh, never mind, you're too fat anyway. Like, that's never. Oh yeah, or
2: or call you stuck up, st- stuck right. up. Right,
1: that's never my reaction. My reaction is usually to just like go hide, and be like, hopefully everybody will forget about this soon.
2: Um. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Honest. And. Also, the
2: whole internet, uh, dating phenomenon is still relatively new, especially, at least with, in the grand scheme of generations and, and relationship decorum. But, um, it's, I think it's, it's, it's exaggerated that, uh, the, the stakes and the process of, you know, dating and getting into a relationship because it happens instantly. And we're so used to things instantly that that's really the attention that we're, that we're accustomed to. So you will get an immediate no. And that's it. And you won't even in this, in this interaction won't even happen in front of each other. It's strictly on the internet. It's strictly just you and a machine that you were talking to a, a total stranger. And I think that really plays into your. you you know, your self-consciousness and your, and your pride.
0: But I really really want to go ahead. Elisa. I just, I, I really want to hammer home if nothing else, how, how ubiquitous this is. This isn't what, what Laura and I have experienced with, with guys getting viscerally angry over perfectly polite, uh, rejections is incredibly, incredibly common. I think a lot of people of both genders, but, well, let's be honest, particularly men, have a hard time believing that. Because, obviously, not all or even most guys get angry, and so if you're not one of those guys, it's hard for you to imagine that that's true. You know? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, wait, I don't get angry, I don't react like that, what the fuck? Trust me, there's enough of them out there that we all experience it. I... On a regular basis, when I was on OKCupid, I would, I mean, easily, easily once a week. If I didn't respond, or God forbid, if I did respond and said no, the reaction would be to call me either an ugly bitch or the C word or uh, to tell me that they they hope that I go and um, get murdered. Some people, yeah. thankfully, I've never had. I've never had threats of, you know, I hope that you're raped or anything heinous like that. But I know women who have gotten that. And if you do a quick search online, you will see article after article after article of compilations of, of this happening. I'm looking at one right now. Um, and there's about, oh my gosh, 13, 14 different examples And, and all the comments on it, there's like 2,200 comments. All the comments are from women saying, yeah, this is just life. This is normal. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And
0: some of the, and some of the interactions include things like this one guy who's saying, these are screen caps from OKCupid. Uh, and this guy is saying, hey there, wanna hook up? Wanna hook up two days later? Wanna hook up, uh, two weeks later? Hey, bitch, you speak when I talk to you. Understand? Um, Another guy, want to blow me? Please, question mark, question mark. Respond, bitch. Respond, bitch. Um, another guy, hello, I'm Stan. Nice to meet you. You're so attractive and I'd love to meet you someday. Um, literally 22 minutes later, stuck up, bitch. I would beat the living shit out of you. So this is really, I just, I, I just wanted to hammer home how mm-hmm. common this is. Like, this isn't something that Lars experienced once in her life, and it's an anomaly. This is just real, natural, everyday life for women who are dating, period.
1: Yeah. I've had at least three occasions on OkCupid where guys that I've rejected or guys that I haven't responded to have followed up and told me, I hope you get raped. Oh, my God. God. And it's... Why? (laughs) Like, okay. Okay. Um, These are but,
2: probably the same people who also who it, it just doesn't stop on like OK Cupid and those and those platforms. It's probably like it's the same people that say the same shit on YouTube and um, on other posts and comments on Facebook and stuff because it's because they're anonymous and well, it really has no repercussions on their part. And they have and and they get the satisfaction of saying something like that to a person without giving them the option to retaliate. Because they're on the opposite side of the country or just down the street. They have no idea who that person is.
1: Well, and it's not even it's not even just an online thing. This happens in real life, too. I've been in scenarios where I've had guys hitting on me in public places and I've told them no, made it very clear that I was not interested and they wouldn't take my no for an answer because as a woman, my no doesn't matter. My no only matters if I have a male friend who's there with me to stick up for me.
2: And that's and fucked that's up. And that's
1: the fucked up part. I was at work one time and I was working with a customer. Um, he seemed like a pretty, you know, nice guy and I'm just going about doing my job or whatever. And he asked if I liked my job and I said, yeah, I really do like it. Um, this is a great place to work, yada, yada. And he started talking about how he had thought about applying there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you totally should. You know, if you go to the website, you can apply right there. Um, and he was like, well, is is there a number? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, we do have a number. Let me actually go grab a card. I'll be right back. And so I went and got a card that had our number on it. And I brought it to him. And I gave it to him. And he looks at it. And then he goes, oh, no, I wanted to get your number. And I said, well, no, sorry, (laughs) I thought this conversation was about you being interested in a job. And then his response to that was, oh, come on, don't be mean. Yeah, don't be a bitch, Laura. Totally abusing the relationship that we had as somebody, you know, I'm working, so I have to be nice to him. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to tell him to go fuck himself, and he knew it. And that's why he was pushing.
2: How long was he pushing for?
1: It took like 10 minutes to make him leave. Yeah, that's bad. I remember you told me about that one when it happened. Yeah, it took like 10 minutes of me being like, no, no, I really have to move on. No. (laughs) You would
2: think, though, like being rejected, like that's your like your first instinct is to say, "Okay, I need to get away from this place as fast as humanly possible.
1: Right. That's my thing. That's what I was saying about having my own rejection experiences in the past. It's like I'm going to go grab a bag of Cheetos and lock myself in the room for the weekend. Like, shut
2: it down. And
0: And
1: that's what it should be. I think that's why
0: so many women revert to saying, no, sorry, I have a boyfriend, even when that's not true, because a lot of a a guy, not men in general, but guys who are like this, a subset of guys who are like this, don't respect a woman's autonomy, but they will respect a man's. And so Mm -hmm. if you say to them, if you say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not interested I shit you not, guys. I mean, I would say probably seven times out of ten, you'll keep getting harassed. Yep. It is easily the majority of the time you will keep getting harassed. They'll say, well, why not? What's wrong? Do you have a boyfriend? And eventually we just learn to say yes. Yes, we do. Even if we don't. Because I, Yeah,
2: I belong uh, to another
0: man. Right, well, because they'll respect the fact that we saying. belong to a man. If we're a dude's property or if we're a dude's girlfriend, you know, the bro code will be like, oh, no, I can't pursue that anymore. But it, we don't have autonomy. We don't have, right. you know, license over our own decisions. So that's why we revert to that excuse so
1: often. Yep. The other I really want to know like,
2: where, this, where, like, where all this stems from.
1: I think it stems from centuries, millennia of straight men being able to say and do whatever the fuck they want without having to deal with the consequences. And the now 60s. now people are calling them out on it and they don't fucking know what to do. Like, they don't know how to handle it.
2: Well, I yeah, had... because they feel victimized because of it. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah.
1: To answer why, to, just circling back um,
0: as to why people or why guys can get so angry um, and violent over rejections, I actually think... You know, we talk a lot about dating and the stereotypes and the gender bias and the sexism as regards women. And I think that, you know, obviously that's all very true and warranted. But I think there is a, there is some element of this that's also born from sexism and gender, uh, bias regarding men. And by that I mean, I think that, I think that some men get this way, get so angry and violent over rejections because they have been socialized to believe that if they can't get a woman, if they can't get a date, that they're less, they're less of a man that their, their identity and their gender, literally their manlyhood, is wrapped up in this idea that they need to be able to successfully date and get women to sleep with them. Like that is such an integral part to being a man, and if they're if they fail at that, then society is going to laugh at them. I mean, I've I see it all the time. Like guys will like pick on each other and be like, you know what I'm saying? Like,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. like you
0: couldn't, oh my god, you couldn't even get her to go out on a date with you, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so integral to their identity, and I think that that is really debilitating and difficult on men as well. This is none of it. I hope pray to God this doesn't come off as some kind of excuse or justification. The behavior is heinous um, and women bear the brunt of it. But if we want to ask why they got to be that way, I think we need to stop teaching men that their identity is all about sex and their ability to acquire it. We need mm-hmm. to stop telling men that like you're less of a man or you're not cool somehow if you're not having rampant sex and dating, like we need to stop doing that. They need to stop doing this shit to women and society needs to stop putting that pressure on men. Does
1: right. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I- <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> that is the end of our episode. Uh, please check us out. millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the handle for both of those is millennial show. We also have a Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash millennial show you can join in our fun little community uh also don't forget to take our survey about election night if you think you can be there say yes if you don't think you can be there you probably just shouldn't take it um anything else we <laughs> <laughs> anything else we need to plug i think you I think you nailed it cool uh <laughs> on this week's after dark we we, uh, we're going to do a looser format because we don't have anything planned. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all people at if the, you two- love shit. Yeah. All, <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> all people on the $2 level of Patreon actually get access to hashing it out and after dark this month during this week. Um, so check it out and we'll see you next week for episode 238. Elisa, what is our closing music today? I don't even know yet.
0: I've literally been Googling songs about being pregnant. Because I just thought <laughs> that would be the most fitting. But I can't find anything.
1: Oh, um, God. Pa- Papa, don't, don't preach. You let us down. How is that about being pregnant?
2: You let what? us down? What?
1: Papa, You're don't tough. preach? But I'm keeping my baby. Oh.
2: God, don't happen you don't know Wait, that there is
1: a band on Spotify called Pregnant Boy.
2: <gasps> You're pregnant, boy.
1: <laughs> it could not be more fitting. <laughs> and they your, have yeah. their, <laughs> their first album is called First Trimester. <laughs> oh my god, do it. <laughs> Alright, uh, to play us out this week, we have Pregnant Boy... Uh, they're smashing it <laughs> off their album First Trimester uh 3.45am We will see you guys Next week for episode 238 I'm Laura I'm Elisa
2: And I'm pregnant, boy
1: I'm not sleepy, I need to go Why do you want to
0: Bye.